My name is David Porter. I am the author of Five Minutes to Live. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this podcast. Uh, just a few things to, to note. Um, in the description of the podcast, I've got the purchase link if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live. I've also got my Facebook and Twitter links so you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. I'll interact with you. Um, the, the purpose of this podcast, we are reading through Five Minutes to Live chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week, and I release them on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Central Time. Now, if you're here and you haven't started with the prologue, episode number one, go back, start there, or you're going to be completely lost. Please set the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your podcast of choice, so that when the new episode is released, it alerts you. Now, one other thing, Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes. There are a lot of scientific references and a lot of Bible verses. In each episode, I'll list all of those footnotes so you'll have them. You can go back and research, read about the people, read about the articles, read about the science, and read the Bible verses. Finally, I've got a new book that I've finished writing. It's called 60 Seconds of Silence. It's not out yet, but as soon as it is, I'll go back and list the link so you can purchase it in the description of each episode as well. Now, with that, thanks for being here. Let's get to it. Chapter 19. Aaron's plan had been simple, but he was right when he said he didn't think I was going to like it. His plan meant exposing myself again to the possibility of being captured by the mercenaries. I argued and pleaded, but in the end, he was right. This was the only way it would work. I agreed to his plan on one condition, and I warned him it was an odd condition. My one condition might be just as difficult for him to go through with as the one he was asking me to perform. Since my conversation with Aaron yesterday in the airplane, I'd spent a lot of time thinking about my dad, wondering what he would think of me, think of the man I had become, how my life was going. What would dad think of the way I had handled the events of the past couple of days? My dad had a chance to see the direction I was headed. He knew, before he died, that he had raised a quality young man. He had raised a young man in church with morals, in a house full of love. Even though I had made mistakes, messed things up, been a bratty teenager, my father had the opportunity to see how I was turning out. Aaron's father never had that. Aaron's father was never able to see what direction his young son's life would go. He never got to see the man Aaron had become. But he left Aaron a gift. The only problem was Aaron didn't see it that way. Aaron, from what I could tell, was struggling to fill his father's shoes, to live up to the man that his father was. Aaron felt like he was falling short of what his father would want him to be. In my opinion, Aaron's perspective was wrong. Instead of trying to fill his father's shoes, he should think of it in a different way. Aaron's father left him a gift, a legacy. Aaron didn't have to live up to anything. He could bask in his father's accomplishments. His father was a national hero. There aren't many people on the planet who can say that. 
My condition to Aaron was simple. I wanted to know about his father and about his sacrifice. We had some time to kill. It was still pretty early in the morning and Omar wasn't going to lunch anytime soon. Aaron sat there thinking, reasoning, before he decided to speak. My father was a great man. I've told you that. I've told you he died in the service of his country. I told you he died a national hero. Why do you want to hear more? Why do you want the details? I'm just trying to understand. You've told me about your father, and you've told me a lot about how you feel that you're letting him down. You've inferred you'll never be able to carry on his tradition and live up to his memory. I want to know why you feel that way. And the only way I'll know why is if I know what he did. That's my condition to go along with your plan. Otherwise, we're thinking of something else, a different way, I replied. Aaron didn't want to talk. That was obvious. He looked away. He said, I'll be back in a few minutes and headed down the stairs. I watched him as he walked in the large warehouse. He walked around the perimeter of the large facility. At each door he came to, he checked its security, making sure they were each locked, bolted tight from the inside. At each window he passed, he stole glances, surveilling the surrounding area. As he walked, he almost looked like he was talking to himself. What is he doing? Is he praying? He never struck me as a deeply religious man. After a few minutes, he came back up the stairs and found a chair, dragged it noisily on the concrete floor over to where I was, and sat down. What do you want to know? Aaron asked, resigned to the fact that he was being forced to talk. I saw you talking as you walked downstairs. What were you saying? Were you praying or something? I asked. No, don't be silly. I was trying to figure out a different plan so that I didn't have to tell you about my father. I was exploring different scenarios. With the different options available to us, with our limited resources, this is the best plan we have, which means I have to tell you about Abi. Abi? Who is that? Is that your dad's name? I asked. You are American. I forgot. You only speak English. In other languages, children call their fathers by different names. When you were a small child, you probably called your father Daddy. In Spain, they may say Papa. Here, when we are children, we call our mothers Umi, and we call our fathers Abi. Aaron didn't want to talk about his father, and now the resentment was surfacing. Gotcha. Tell me about your Abi. As you know, the land we are standing on is claimed by several different countries. Currently, and since 1947, Israel is the country that occupies this land. For millennia, people have been fighting over this region. Different ethnic groups lay claim to it. Different religions lay claim to it. The Crusades were fought, in part, for control over this territory. Think about that for a moment. The world's three largest religions, the Muslim, Christian, and Jew alike, all have a reason to want to control this land. Different factions and countries want control of this land. Invaders are all around and have been. 
But let's think back to 1947, when the United Nations recognized Israel as a nation. Enemies were exposed. Attacks were immediate. Unless you understand some of the history, you can never hope to understand what my father accomplished. I nodded, and Aaron continued. By the time 1978 rolled around, Israel had fought many wars. Consider this. The country basically started in 1947. One day they weren't a country, and the next day they were, and immediately had to start fighting. Israel fought a war for independence. The Sinai War, the Six-Day War, the Yom Kippur War, all before 1973. There hasn't been any kind of real peace since Israel became a nation. So, 1978 shows up, and my Abi is called into action. Aaron continued, He had trained. He was a soldier. Had been a soldier longer than I had been alive. But he was also a true believer. They would name the mission he was on Operation of the Martyr Kamal Adwan, in honor of someone who died on an earlier mission, a mission from 1973. Looking back, I think my father knew he wasn't going to survive. I think he knew he was being deployed to a suicide mission. I think he saw it as his duty, and there wasn't anything that could prevent him from fulfilling his duty as a soldier, as a fighter, for his country. I think he realized the minute the code name to the mission had the word martyr in it, and had the name of someone, a soldier, who died. My Abi wasn't stupid. He knew what was going to happen, what he was being asked to do. So that early March morning of 1978, my mother came into my room knowing it was the last day that I would see my father. I now know why she had that sadness in her eyes. She knew. He had already told her. She knew he was giving himself for something bigger, for a cause for a purpose. She knew that's what he had been put on this earth to do, to sacrifice himself for something bigger than himself. But it wasn't just my father's sacrifice, no, it was my mother's as well. She knew what he was preparing to do, and she let him do it. She didn't fight him. She's as big a hero as he is in all of this. That's why we were sent away. That's why we were protected after his mission. His name will live on in history, and so will mine. I will make her proud because people will remember my name. I will leave a mark on this country. I will make my Abi proud, and I will see him again one day. I was beginning to understand the depth of Aaron's passion. I was beginning to understand why he felt like he did. He continued, So my Abi spent the day with me, like I described to you. We went to the park and played football. We had lunch together. It was wonderful, beautiful, a perfect day. It was a day that I didn't understand when it was happening. I was simply happy to be out of school and with my father. I knew, even at such a young age, it was unusual to spend time out of school and I knew it was unusual to be with my dad. 
he was gone most of the time. So we spent the entire day to get together, playing, eating treats, doing fun things. I realized later what he was doing was leaving me with happy memories of him. That was his real gift to me, a perfect day with my Abhi, perfect memories. That was the last time I ever saw him. Now, onto the mission and the events of the days leading up to my father's death. When I tell you this story, it might not sound like much to you, but it was the first time something like this had been done in this part of the world and in this current conflict. It was monumental. It was a turning point. Since then, things have grown and strategies have changed, but at that time in history, this was a revolutionary mission. You have to remember, we were at war. We're still at war. But this was a secret mission to disrupt a meeting between the leaders of the enemy's army, to take out the leadership, to effect change forcibly. This was something daring, something that hadn't been done before. For the rest of this history, my father's story, I've only heard it from people who witnessed it, people who lived through it. And the story was told to me much, much later in bits and pieces when I was old enough to understand it all. The mission objectives were simple. The enemy had planned a strategy meeting of its leadership. In attendance were all of the highest ranking officers and officials. My father's mission was to be a disruptive force to that conference. If they could eliminate any enemy leaders, it would be an added bonus. My father, my Abi, and 12 other soldiers, 13 in total, set out on a freighter to get behind enemy lines. After hours of sailing, the 13 soldiers boarded two Zodiac boats trying to make landfall under the cover of darkness. The freighter stayed in deep waters, miles from the shore so as to avoid detection, but that left the team hours worth of hard riding in the small boats. The waves were boisterous that evening. Before they reached the shore, one of the Zodiacs capsized in the rough seas. Two soldiers were killed. The remaining 11 made their way to shore, but the rough seas threw their timing and location off. It was morning when they landed, and 40 miles off, to the north of their intended destination. Once on the shore, the team had planned to blend in and make their way to the enemy's headquarters. However, they were seen quite by accident coming ashore and had to fight their way inland. They fought their way to a road where they were able to capture a small enemy transport. They all crammed inside until they were able to eventually capture an enemy bus. They began driving south along a coastal highway where they were able to capture a second bus. Don't ask me how they were able to capture one, let alone two buses full of enemy combatants, but they did. They began to wreak havoc as they drove toward their destination. The enemy knew they had made landfall, so the element of surprise was gone. They chose to be a disruptive force where they were, knowing they would never make the meeting of the generals. They killed scores of enemies and wounded twice as many more. 
They drove through town after town along that coastal road, killing, throwing grenades, shooting, disrupting life the whole way. The enemy set up roadblocks in several different places, but the bus was able to break through. Eventually, the enemy was able to set up a roadblock and scattered nails on the road. The tires blew out and the bus came to a stop. My father's team was trapped on the bus. They didn't go out without a fight, though. When it was all said and done, nine of the remaining 11 team members died. The other two were captured and imprisoned. My father died that day on that coastal road in an enemy's stolen bus. My father is still considered a hero. There are several roads named after him, and even a primary school bears his name. He left his mark on this world and for his country. I will, too, mark my words. I had planned to tell Aaron that I thought he was looking at his father's death wrong, that his perspective was off. After hearing the story, I decided I needed to process things. Maybe I needed to change my perspective. With as much sincerity as I could, I said, Aaron, that's an incredible thing your Abi did, and he's left you a wonderful legacy. I see why you push yourself so hard, and you're so driven. I want to tell you the first three words Jessica ever said to me all those years ago, and I hope that I will be able to prove them to you as we work your plan. Jessica's first three words were, you're not alone. And Aaron, you might feel all alone having lost your AB, or you might feel all alone because of the circumstances of the past couple days, the suspension and all, but you're not. You're not alone. I'm all in on your plan. Let's do it. End of chapter 19. If you're still here, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released, and if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.